rated movies congratulations listener you have pressed play on a movie podcast by two guys who used to date and now they don't and you are in for a tosaurus rex (laughs) because this is a once in a lifetime treat ladies and gentlemen because today ryan's going to quickly apologize (sighs) i made some mistakes last episode that's the only time you'll hear that out of my mouth so save that make it your ringtone do what you want to do I don't know why I thought last week's episode was 175. It wasn't. Oh, God. It was 165. So embarrassing. Way, way off. Way off. When you hit a certain age, you forget what age you are. It's sort of like that with this podcast. Like, we've just hit a certain number, and I, I, I feel like I'm something I'm not. I'm a different age. You talk age. like you're, you know, John Lewis's age or something. Or You know, you ask an old person, you're like, how old are you? And they have to, like, sit there and do the math. Like, let's see, I was born in. It's like, you don't know? It's like, yeah, after a while, you fucking forget. To be fair, I'm younger than you, and I do have to think about that. Because, A, I don't really celebrate my birthday anymore. So without that, like, event, like, the transition goes a little bit more smoothly from one trip around the sun to the other sure so i do kind of have to think like okay it is 2020 and i was born in 1993 that's not true (laughs) so yes it wasn't 175 if you're confused it was 165 but i also made another grave error i broke a promise to our listeners and i feel very bad about this because in speed racer there's a moment where they use the Hollywood Edge hawk sound that's so ubiquitous. I'll play it right now. And I didn't mention it. I had it in my notes. It was a very important thing I wanted to bring up. There's also a Wilhelm scream in the movie. I wanted to bring that up, and I didn't. Ah! Apologies. I broke a promise to y'all that I would always point that out when I saw it, and I meant to. I really meant to. Well, apologies accepted. If we could turn back time... What would you have said about either of these sound effects in the episode? Nothing, just pointed them out. Oh, okay. Maybe I would have spiced it up a little bit and been like, all right, what does this sound like to you? And then gone, <laughs> Sounds like the Hollywood Edge talk. Yeah. <laughs> See, this guy knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. Well, we might have spent a little too much time together drinking. That <laughs> mm, happens. I uh, I know where your mind goes and what your pet peeves are in movies these days. Mm-hmm. But anyway, just apologies. And uh, we promise to do better going forward. Moving forward, there's no possible way we can make a mistake. Oh, now no. on to the podcast. <laughs> <sighs> that said, I have some opening banter for us, Matt. Please. Still stuck in COVID for anybody who... Uh, cares anymore i was watching something and i just it struck me that like there's probably a lot of people making you know quarantine covid19 related movies maybe with crews of five or less (laughs) and even if they're not once this whole ordeal's over you know there's going to be movies made about this time period so it's inevitable right my question to you what would you like to see in those movies I don't want to see 
a slew of movies about being isolated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like if we get a bunch of movies that have like old boy premises of okay. someone locked in a room for 15 years, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. pass. Yeah. Uh, not going to be doing that. I also don't want your crappy zombie horror movie to just be sort of somewhat related to coronavirus. Oh, geez. We can just get rid of any low-hanging parallels right now. Okay. I assume that you mean, like, what has this downtime inspired? Because obviously I would love to just see a bunch of great and imaginative movies. Well, I was thinking specifically, like... I'm going to write a movie and I'm going to set it during this period of time in in history. Mm-hmm. And so like, you know, social distancing is a thing. Um, you know, a lot of people are at work. Like there's just like a lot of factors that could go into making this as a setting interesting. But I think there's a lot of pitfalls we could fall into. I um, mean, as far as imaginative, what were you going to say? Well, because I mean, you could make movies that are not at all covid related right like during the quarantine mm-hmm. um but i i feel like you want like if there is a movie that is going to be about the quarantine and covid well what i like to yeah. see like say you know uh united 97 is the best 9-11 movie everyone uh, kind of agrees uh-huh what do you want to see that's going to like set this covid movie apart from all the rest of the schlock that's coming out well i wouldn't mind seeing horror movies that the monster isn't the disease, but maybe is the reaction to the disease. Okay. Sort of the way Spielberg's War of the Worlds was sort of about 9-11 mm-hmm. as well, but mm-hmm. the aliens weren't necessarily terrorists. Or the way that, you know, Dawn of the Dead is about, you know, uh, consumerism, uh, consumerism <laughs> yeah. and not zombies. I wouldn't mind seeing it that way. Okay. Like, if we could somehow reintegrate the factions, like... You know, we obviously have people like you and I who we may not enjoy wearing masks, but we acknowledge it versus all these people who the hill that they have chosen to die on is the maskless one. Freedom, Matt. Freedom. Oh, I, uh, hey, I love freedom as much as the next person. Don't get me wrong. Freedom. Hurrah. But just if, if this is the thing that, that you're going to die on. So, um how, how little are we asking of people, by the way? Sorry. Like, we've literally like asked people to join the army. <laughs> it's like... This so, time we're uh, like, put a piece of cloth over your mouth yeah, and th- nose. I, and I already know that a lot of these anti-maskers are, are like the same people who call like Bill Clinton a draft dodger and stuff like that. I'm like, you're not wearing a mask. <laughs> Grow up. Anyway. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing perhaps maybe a lightly comedic miniseries with alternating timelines mm. between like Ooh, if, like a sliding door sort of thing yeah but like having like one america that like where hillary clinton was president and how she'd handle it but mm. like the backlash because you know because it was hillary clinton like if she asked to, like people to put on masks that we'd be seeing all these holocaust <laughs> registration comparisons sure you know it'd be endless <laughs> Uh, I can't. Oh, yeah. Paralleled with like a, a sort of sorkinized, made-for-TV version of the actual Trump administration, but like a lightly fictionalized version where it's not President Trump; it's you know President DQ McGillicuddy. Okay. <laughs> It'd be fun if it was sort of in the style of like the death of Stalin, where it's just like 
Jesus Christ. Right. Or like a Veep kind of thing. (laughs) Yeah, like have have like the Hillary Clinton one be like written by Aaron Sorkin. Mm -hmm. So it's like idealistic and it's like talented people doing the best that they can in this situation, but like all these things are stopping them. And then have the other timeline be written by Iannucci. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I like it. And have just like all like the worst people in charge of these things. So maybe something like that. Yeah. I yeah. think it'd be cool to see. If we're gonna directly do something based on the quarantine. I'm greenlining it. Let's go. <laughs> I also want to do this movie called Prelude to a Kiss. Okay. <laughs> Let's not push our luck here. Well, my movie I was thinking something romantic might be fun. Love in the time of COVID? Yeah. Sort of like a uh you know, we'll make it gay, why not? Um, you know, he's he shows a shot of Daryl can't find a husband and he's scrolling through scruff and everybody's wearing a mask and um which side note those of you with a profile picture with a mask on please explain your reasoning to me (laughs) you're looking for nsa dick but don't take off that mask (laughs) i don't know how that's gonna work something something i think there's like you could have a romantic comedy doesn't even have to be a comedy just like a romantic movie based around like Someone desiring someone else, but both feeling like they're not allowed to connect because of this like virus. Now, do we want to make it tragic or do we want to make it lightly comic where it's like they're both germaphobes and they bond over their germophobia? Oh, that's nice. I like that. <laughs> but it's the it's it, the exact thing that they bonded over is the thing that's keeping them apart. Yeah. And at the end, it doesn't have to be like a sexy or anything. This could be feel good PG material but like at the end like they could like hold hands for the first time that's the crux of the movie they finally both reach out or like maybe even take off their masks or something i mean there's talk that because covid is spread so much through the mouth Mm -hmm. that uh glory holes could come back like presumably like having sex through some sort of partition is actually like a relatively safe way to have sex so you could have a scene where they're bouncing that idea off one another. Like they go to a bathhouse and they see a dick in a hole and they're just like. <sighs> I was thinking one of them would construct a glory hole in their, their oh, apartment. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, they, and then they try and like, this isn't working. Yeah. Oh, that's kind of sweet. I feel like, yeah, I just feel like there's something there. I don't know. I don't have a, I don't have a, a plot necessarily, but. Um, I think you could do a workplace farce, sort of like uh night shift at the grocery store Ooh, yeah um and just like the shit like i think like a grocery store is already a good setting because any old customer can walk in you can introduce a new character whenever the hell you want yeah grocery store is good because it has different departments which could each have their own sort of different mm-hmm, personality mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the the age range of people that work at grocery stores goes from teenager to, to eight year old yeah <gasps> um, we could call it essential <laughs> there you go it would just be sort of like, uh, you know, working like the, the 7 p.m. to 2 a.m. shift at like a big grocery store in a major metropolitan area. Love it. You know, you, you obviously got to kick out some of the anti-maskers, you know. Someone who's just about to quit before COVID hit. And sure. Like, Fuck, I'm not even supposed to be here today. Exactly. Not even supposed to be here today. People trying to hoard up on toilet paper and disinfectant. Get and up like, a day! <laughs> um. Oh, I'm really into this one. This is good. Yeah, I feel like there's stuff in there. These are free ideas, by the way. (laughs) Hollywood. Hello. (sighs) Really, they should be paying us for this. Like, these are great. (laughs) Somebody. (laughs) 
We're doing all the work Screen, here. The Screenwriters Guild. Jesus, we're doing all the work. Uh, except for the actual writing part. Well, we're, we're not putting letters on the page or anything like that. But... I'm not a writer. I'm an idea man. Is that what this podcast is missing? What? Someone, a writer? Uh, someone to take our grandiose ideas and then really making them physical. Uh, yeah, someone to do all the, the manual labor would be good. Let's get our intern, uh, Brianna, on that. Brianna. You haven't seen Brianna since this whole quarantine thing started. <sighs> She's so hard to contact, too. She says her computer doesn't support Zoom. Uh, what are you using, an Apple IIe? <laughs> uh, I was going to say IBM Pro. What if we do sort of a... Um, you know, born style tech thriller where uh, everyone's contact tracing app goes haywire and uh, starts alerting all the wrong government officials as to their whereabouts and personal information. Oh no! And uh, and there's a vaccine that he has to get off a plane. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's right. being transported, and he's like, "This is our last chance," and there's only one vial of it. Oh man, I don't like those odds. I know it's pretty intense. Oh, the stakes are really high. Yeah, and it turns out that the whole thing was manufactured germ warfare, and not by the Chinese. They were trying to blame it on the Chinese, but it's actually American. <gasps> Twist. Yeah, it was Rumsfeld all along. <sighs> Rumsfeld. <laughs> it was uh, no, you know what? John Bolton. He was trying to blame. Iran, but something went awry. Trump couldn't read the the memo, and he thought that Iran said China. I can't read this. All the letters are upside down. (laughs) I'll just say China. Nobody likes China anyway. He says it, and all the interns are like, in the press conference, they're like, (laughs) right, it was China. Oh, great. Thank you. I just was curious as to what you thought this hole should be filled with. Phrasing? <laughs> yeah, I hope that uh, all those screenwriters are hard at work with all this downtime and that, I mean, not that we have a, 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 a desert of content now. Like, I'm still trying to catch up on stuff. Too much. Maybe we should back off on content for a little while. Save your COVID movie for 2030. 2030? Yeah. That's so far away. Well, it'll be prescient or whatever. It'll be good. It'll be nostalgic. Yeah. No, in that case, we better wait till like 2045. By then, people will be nostalgic for the early 2010s or 2020s. I'll be like 65 at that point. Yeah, and you'll be like, oh God, remember when I was a youthful 40? <laughs> Those were the days. <laughs> Back when I had the dream job of bartending at a hip Seattle night spot. Spending my days podcasting in my night's tending bar. Speaking of youth, Matt. <laughs> now power down memory retrieval robot.
yesteryear, this movie predates me. It came out before I was born. How about that? Yeah. The older I get, I feel like I can say that fewer and fewer. Or maybe it's just our movie choices, as we tend to pick movies from the mid-90s to the, you know, 20-teens. Fine with that. Um, it's who we are. Why shy away from our heyday. It? Yeah. These are the movies that we can own. It's called Leaning In. But today's movie is, is not one of those. No. Today we've chosen 1982. Two. Mm-hmm. Cult classic Sleepaway Camp. <laughs> all right podcast that's, over that's this week's movie <laughs> you got it we spent so much time <laughs> leading up to the memory retrieval robot that we didn't have time to talk about the movie <laughs> well anyway follow us on twitter <laughs> um so this movie i came across kind of late it's a genre 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 that i love Right, it's your, it's your. This is your cup of tea. This, this is right in my wheelhouse. I can watch movies of this ilk day in, day out for the most part. But I think this one's a little extra special. It's got that extra X factor that, it's, that it's I cling a special, on to. It's a very special thing. So I think I watched this initially in 2013, mm-hmm. and I remember I texted you right after I was done watching it. I was like, "Have you seen Sleepaway Camp?" And you texted back, "You're like, yeah, I was all right." Uh, I go, "The killer." Spoiler alert! I was like, "The killer hangs dong." Uh, and you texted back, I think hangs is the wrong verb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're going to have to talk about that ending at some point. Yo, absolutely. I don't know if that's I, a humdinger of an ending. I don't know if I want to jump there quite yet. No, but, no. Um, got to build up to it. Okay, so watching it this time. Okay, okay, so yeah, I stand by my it's okay takeaway from the first time after watching it this my second time. But. I will say something that struck me watching it this time is like, I feel like there's no self-awareness going on with this movie. There's like, it's so bizarre, but not purposely so. Yeah, because it feels right in the makings of any other horror ripoff, anything in the wake of Halloween or Friday the 13th at this time. Right. It's like, I mean, this one even takes place at a, at a camp the way yeah. that Friday the 13th would. But there's little things to this that really color it differently. And, and most of it is I would <laughs> put in nice the uh, camp camp uh, of but things. I, but I don't think it's purposefully camp. I some uh, To me, maybe? it seems like they're not, it's not on purpose. Well, okay, so. It's camp. It is camp. But I think they weren't, I don't think the director was intending that. It's a question sometimes. I mean, this movie shows us the full spectrum of Moose Knuckle. Like, (laughs) there are men wearing the highest and tightest of shorts in this. Man, I... To go back to a time when men were wearing short shorts and crop tops. Oh, my God. I mean, we're there now, but, like, back then. When straight men did it. like That one counselor, not the old muscle one, the young muscle one that's, like, the pitcher in the softball game. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so this movie has unusually age-appropriate actors for being a horror movie. True. They're all adolescents, yeah. But, I mean, there's older kids at the camp that I I feel must be like 19 or 20 or something, or maybe even a little older. Yeah, I see what and, you're saying. And I'm like, even if they're playing like 17, 18-year-olds, like, do 17 and 18-year-olds go to sleepaway camp? They should be counselors. 
but they're not counselors. They're like indirect. Right. Con- they get scolded and like and and punished by. Right. I've never went to sleepaway camp. Did you? I did go to a sleepaway camp for a week. Okay. It was a Christian camp. If you can believe it. And it was awful. It was one of the worst weeks of my life. Is that the week that you didn't poop? I didn't poop the whole week. Yeah. Boy, that bus ride back must have been a trip. Well, my parents picked me up, thankfully, and like literally like half a mile. The first gas station. You're yeah, like, Get I was out like, of the we way. need to stop now. Man, yeah, I hated seven it. Seven calendar days with no BM. Yeah. Good and I was Lord. eating nothing but corn nuts and fruit roll-ups. So. Your distended colon must have just... I know. Well, I mean, you were so youthful back then. I probably just snapped back like a rubber band. But... Yeah, no problem. Yeah, they didn't, it didn't care. Um, fruit roll-ups and corn nuts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I, I never went to one. But the concept of a sleepaway camp seems really bizarre to me. Mm. You're putting your children's life into the hands of low-paid lethargic just like couldn't give less of a fuck underqualified individuals yeah and expecting them to be okay for a week i mean some with all the hazards of camps and bodies of water some sleepaway camps last for months like all summer long that's insane to me i would no thank you no i hear you yeah there's a lot to be afraid of sending your kids into the woods. My only thought is like parents must be really sick of their children yeah. if this is the best option they have. Goodbye. Doesn't so, parent trap take place over like several months? I feel like uh, those kids were gone for a long time. Oh, I don't know. I've mm. never seen parent trap. Really? Yeah. Neither of Either them? version. Oh. Or Freaky Friday or anything involving twins or body swapping. You've seen Prelude to a Kiss. <laughs> It's true. It's true. You got, <laughs> you got me there. You got me. Uh, so anyway, movie starts out with a boating accident. Oh no! Oh my god! Somebody help the people! But it has one of my favorite inserts, and I don't think I noticed it the first time that I watched it, but. It's right as the boat runs over the father, and there's just a cut of this random guy going, John! John! It makes sense now that, spoiler alert, I know that the dad was gay. Right. But anyone watching this movie for the first time, what would they think when there's just this random shirtless guy with a with a you know close zoom of his face just going, John! <laughs> I just thought that, that well... I had forgotten that they were gay lovers. Watching it this time, I just thought that like, oh, they must be friends. Like they're hanging out for like a like a dinner party, and like those the dads are just talking to each other while the moms are off making dinner or something. Where is the mom, by the way? Like Absent. the dad dies, and presumably it's it's like the baby daddy, like the blood dad, and the guy going John is just the gay lover who has no rights over the kids. Yeah, because. You know, flash forward eight years, Ricky is the aunt's child. Right. Angela is Ricky's cousin. Right. And so we're, you know, at the boating accident, there was a grown man. And a child that died. Yeah, there's two kids, a boy and a girl. 
flash forward eight years, we see that Angela is the survivor. So we're led to believe that the boy must have died. Right. So that she's with her aunt, who's in another movie entirely. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Look what I did. I packed you and your cousin some goodies for the ride up to camp. Wasn't that nice of me? Hmm? But it must have been written that way. And, like, unless she did her own styling and makeup... <laughs> It must have been like directed to make her look like a crazy Jackie O. <sighs> yeah, like, you've seen Grey Gardens. <laughs> Just put her in Jackie O's clothes. It's it's nuts, and she almost looks like a drag queen. There there was a moment because I'm like, I mean, we've said before the killer hangs dong, so that's the twist. But like, I was thinking like, oh, are they hinting that like, oh, this is a man dressed as a woman? Is that what they're like trying to imply here with this, but it's like, I don't think so. I think they just like let her look that way. Yeah. It, uh, I, I did get like heavy drag queen vibes. Cause I'm like, this woman is not based on women of reality. No, <laughs> like, this is like how Gary Larson views women. <laughs> like she's Blanche Dubois. It. She's just like, La, I'm well, in my yes, own I world. believe they are. <laughs> Although could I have been wrong about that? I put chips in your bag. A whole bag. <laughs> it's, it's something else. She, she's, a, she's a scene stealer all to herself. <laughs> she's in the movie for like 40 seconds, and we, we all believe her. Uh, Again, I don't think that that's what they're aiming for, though, because like, it doesn't pay off in any way. It's just like, yeah, you act how you act. Yeah, you know, uh, did you see that SNL sketch with Emma Stone where she's like a struggling actress? Yeah. yeah. I kind of feel like she brought that vibe She's just like, I've finally been given the role of a lifetime with unnamed aunt of, of serial killer. <laughs> it's a scene. It's a whole scene. But there is also like subtle foreshadowing in that because she hands them the uh, notes saying that they like passed their physical. Right. That way they didn't have to take a physical when they got there. Because she's a doctor. She's a doctor. That's how she has this whole house to herself. Yeah. So Yeah. We have one missing mom, and then we have a missing father-uncle. Details were not covered in the movie. So I love this movie. I love this movie. It barely makes sense. (laughs) Help me me love this movie, Matt. Help me. Well, A, camp element goes goes a long way in my book. Okay, okay, okay. That it takes place in a camp or that it's campy? That it's campy. Okay, okay, okay. okay. You know, when you watch a lot of these movies, they can kind of blend together and and you you can't really tell them apart anymore. So when one has these like extra special elements to it, it's just like, you know, it's like biting into a regular donut and finding out that it's like a a cream-filled donut. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, this is so much better than what I thought I was going to get. Yeah. So it, it's a combination of it being a genre that I already like with little extra like sprinklings of goodness that make it really unique amongst the genre. Okay, 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 okay. Um, but no, I, I'll be the first to admit, like this, like there's just like a feather thread <laughs> having this like tenuously held together as like a, a narrative. Yeah. Uh, we get the premise and then the camp. It's basically a two-part movie. There's, like, intro and then just, like, murders at camp. So all the murders are made to look like accidents, which I think is... Are they? Well, up until... Yeah, I guess you're right. Uh, I guess up until right. the one girl gets stabbed. Up, up until when Meg gets, like, sliced through the sure, back. Sure, sure, sure. 
all the rest can kind of be chalked up to accidents or freak occurrences because the first one and th- so this is this is one of those little sprinklings that makes it totally different that head cook that monster of a human being when he's like watching the kids run down the hill he's like yeah look at all that young fresh chicken where i come from we call them baldies makes your mouth water don't it and then like the other cooks are like they're not even old enough to know what you're thinking about i was like are they all just like actively acknowledging that he's a pedophile like he took this job so he could rape children? And they're just like, oh, you're crazy, Phil. <laughs> yeah. That's Phil for you, or whatever his name was. Old rapey Phil. God. There he goes, raping again. Ugh. What are you going to do? <laughs> I guess, I mean, this leads into the camp element, too, because that is the biggest pot I've ever seen. It is Do they actually make huge. pots that big? I, they had two of them. What would you stir it with? I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't have any kitchen implements that require me to use a step ladder yeah it's like he was using it like a you could never cook anything like rice in that <laughs> like you could pour the whole bag in and it would still <laughs> overflow <laughs> but it's like the all the heat would still be condensed at the bottom it wouldn't give a good i know how would you even boiling heat? would take forever well he's complaining about how long it's taken to get boiling exactly and he's only gonna put corn in it but corn on the cob like floats. You'd have to like really jam it down, and then and it would like, cook unevenly because it would be hotter at the bottom. Also, he filled it all the way up with water, and the volume of the corn is gonna make the water yeah, overflow. Yeah, you can only put like three or four or five corns in there. Yeah, you got like it's a six cob max. What are they doing? This is why he's such a terrible head chef. <laughs> too busy thinking about pedophilia. He, he needs to get his his mind off the baldies. Yeah. You spend less time thinking about porn and more, more time, time thinking, thinking about, about corn. corn. Yeah. There, put that on a shirt. <laughs> Did you recognize the like uh, second chef, by the way? The black guy? Yeah. No. His name is Robert Earl Jones, and he is the father of James Earl Jones. He's the father? How about that? That's crazy. He sounds like him, too. No, sir. I always thought he... Had a little devil in him. But yeah, he's James Earl Jones's dad. So before we go any further, do you think Angela killed when she wasn't at camp? No, I get the impression that camp was this, like, flipped a switch. So when the cook had, like, cornered her. That was her first one. And she saw him, like, taking off his belt. And she's like, oh, I see what's going on here. This is a place where crimes happen with impunity. <laughs> and uh, it's just a, well, a moral free-for-all where I can get away with whatever I want to. I got it more as, like, because he hurts Ricky or threatens Ricky. Yeah. And so that's, like, what flipped the switch for her. She's never seen her brother-cousin threaten like that. And she's just like, I'm over it. I'm oh. not going to lose another another sibling cousin. And therefore, I'm taking control. Oh, see, I like your interpretation of it. I just, I just read it as like, and she's like, oh, okay, I can do whatever I want here. Mm. Now is the time that I can unleash my hidden desires to kill. <laughs> well, like the only time she kills people is when they've threatened Ricky or been mean to him. Well, Until, th- maybe, uh, to yeah, a point, the, to the, a point. There's a, yeah, there's a tipping after, point, I think. After a point, she's just killing willy-nilly. Yeah. But, um, because that's why the head count, the owner of the camp beats up Ricky He's like, and, oh yeah, and he dies. You've been killing them to get to me, and like make ruin me, and okay. it's like because he saw that every time somebody died, it was after Ricky got threatened or hurt. So he thinks that like 
Oh, Ricky must be the killer. Okay, okay. Uh, Another point as to why I like this one is that the kills seem a little original. Like, if you watch especially the Friday the 13th from right in this region, it's like someone gets stabbed, someone gets axed, someone gets knifed. And it's like the first kill, It's which isn't technically a kill, the guy gets all the boiling water from that aforementioned pot <laughs> poured on him. Mm-hmm. And he's just there screaming as, like, his skin peels off. See, this is why I think this movie isn't trying to be campy. There's just the tragic moments of this movie. The director makes you sit with them. Like that boat accident, mm-hmm. that girl screaming goes on for a long mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. The guy getting the uh, boiling water, you just see him sitting there seething. And like his like boils and pustules like expanding you too. Just, they're just like making you sit with it. And it's like it's hard to watch. Yeah, it like makes me, it reminds me of like the torture porn stuff of like the 2000s where you're just like... <sighs> I, this isn't what I came for. Like Halloween two had a, a boiling water death, but uh, this one seems a little bit more intense because he's like looking at you, like you know, breaking the fourth wall, just like screaming as yeah. his skin peels away. <sighs> and like that's like part of the weird tone of this movie, and why I think it's not camp because it's like I, I really feel like the director was trying to make a serious scary movie and it doesn't come across as scary but it is affecting yeah yeah because like the the water stuff like it's not scary but it's certainly like abrasive or i don't know what the word that you want to use is but yeah. it, it's, it's definitely affecting in some way it's uncomfortable so okay if if angela's only killing people who uh wrong ricky the second kill is like after that skinny dipping scene if i remember correctly mm-hmm. which I'm I'm just like was the director like going through some like internalized like homosexual feelings or thoughts or something because there's a lot of man meat in this yeah movie. and I don't think we even see any boobs Judy the 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 bitch of the, the camp <laughs> who fun fact was originally supposed to be played by Jane Krakowski oh shit uh but got called away to like do some play or something like that so. Like, first week of shooting, she had to be replaced. I actually really like Judy, the person who played Judy. And I can absolutely see Jane Krakowski playing that role as well. Yeah. But, yeah, probably the closest we see is, like, she's in a two-piece bathing suit and, like, showing off her body in front of Angela. Well, there's that one girl who dies in the shower, too, but I still don't think we see any boobs. I don't think we see any boob, no. A lot of boy butts, a lot of, like, crop tops and short shorts. Yeah, short shorts and crop tops out the wazoo. Uh, but yeah, there is a skinny dipping scene where they they all get naked. So you're seeing like 15 boy butts. But none of the girls join. Yeah, none of them. They even say at one point like, "Who wants to go skinny dipping? 15 guys and only five girls." Uh, <laughs> over here. <laughs> well, in that scene, it's all like the age appropriate guys, or or at least they they could pass for over 18. Fingers crossed. There is the one scene where it's like the 15 year old's butt gets shown. I know. And I'm just like, that's awkward. Like, can you imagine being the Mozart the kid oh I know like or the guy who has to show his butt like hey mom I'm in a movie (laughs) like here's my big scene good prank though 
you guys are gross. <laughs> oh, well, I actually don't want to skip over the baseball game. Okay. Most thrilling <laughs> sports sequence ever covered Jesus. on X-rated movies, by the way. Jesus Christ. It has no bearing on anything in the movie. <laughs> but it does have one of my favorite lines. You and your boys want to place a little wager while the game is still close. What do you have in mind, asswipe? Fuck a man, asshole. What was with the tube socks up to your, like, knee? Wasn't that the style at the time? I know, but what's up That's with that? That's where they kept their nickels with bees on them. They tied their onions to the, the band of the socks. I just Well, I was watching, and I was like, well, are they balancing out, like, the short shorts? Like, it's they're just moving, like, lines. I mean, that's, that scene does serve to, to provide a scene that, that, like, establishes the feud between the olders and the youngers. Okay. Yeah, there's a rivalry. Yeah. But it's also like it's so long to do that. It do, it does take a while, but I'm also like for like a like a softball game, they're actually shooting this pretty well and the kids actually seem to be able to play. I will say I preferred this sports sequence to Mash's football sequence. Oh, 100%. So, a not nearly as long and 100% gayer. Yeah. So but it also has the great exchange of... No problem, Gino. This guy blows dead dogs. Just lay it in there. Eat shit and die, Ricky. Eat shit and live, Bill. Why was this prioritized is my question. <laughs> like, what? what's missing out here? I don't know. I was here for it. I thought I found that scene to be very entertaining. Okay. I mean, no, I, I guess I wasn't... Not entertaining. I just feel... I just question... You're like, how does this service the plot? Yeah. It's like we I can establish that there's a rivalry with two lines of dialogue. So I just thought it was interesting that like... Colors the characters. Ten minutes of colors the characters. Establish dynamics between the groups themselves. I guess. Okay. Can you name another eighty uh, slasher movie that takes this long without killing? Um. Oh, I mean, like any other eighty slasher, they'd like somebody would get stabbed with a baseball bat or something, <laughs> right? Maybe I don't know. Those eighty slashes. If you if you watch enough of them, you start realizing how like the long stretches between kills there are. This movie has it too. It takes a long time for that to really yeah, but get like, going. Yeah, but you know, take even one of the more heralded of the Friday the 13th movies, part four with Crispin Glover and uh, Corey Feldman. Oh, okay. Like there's some long stretches between kills and even in those kills, they're really unimaginative. So it's like, at least here, it's like you wait, but there's like a level of payoff. So it's like, you know, we get to the skinny dipping scene. The one dude's in the canoe with the girl. Right. Tips over. She swims to shore, and he's like walking back with the canoe. You know, perfect getaway style. Um, but it was trapped. Oh yeah, he's trapped under the canoe. Yeah. Yeah, but he's like going back to shore. But then the killer's head pops up out of the water, which I think is a wonderful little reveal. Sure. And then she, you know, she drowns him. And the next morning, they find his dead body, and a snake crawls out of it. And I think like the cadaver with the snake is a good, good reveal agreed looks great and they haul him off and i just remember the camp manager the old guy is like he's like this is just one of those freak incidents because he's worried that like the camp's gonna get closed down or it's gonna be labeled as murder or the parents are gonna find out and then like after his exchange with the police officer he's like if you excuse me i have the unpleasant task of informing the boy's parents you are <laughs> you're the least tactful least empathetic person at this camp they should have Angela do it. She's better than you are. Hello, Mr. and Mrs. McGillicuddy. Yeah. You're the parents of Jason, right? Well, he drowned. Yeah. Freak accident. Could happen to anybody. Don't tell your friends. <laughs> yeah. 
we'll ha- we're happy to refund you 25% of your uh, <laughs> can't pay for this. Yeah, I mean, the kills are ludicrous. The B one being one of the funniest ones for me. Well, <laughs> the guy walks in. He's like, I got to take a wicked dump. I have wicked dump as a note. Yep. Yeah, we got a game against the counselors. You going to play? Sure. Gotta take a wicked dump first. I'll see you guys down there, right? Yeah, so he he's gotta take a wicked dump, goes into the stall, and then Angela like cuts out some of the screen. Yeah. And puts in a beehive. And I don't know, was it established that he's like allergic to bees or something like that? It just seemed like he was stung so many times. Yeah, but it's like if she just put in like a thing of honeybees, that would not kill him. And it's like once we flash to his dead body, which his arm, like the the welts and the boils on his arm, those were nasty. Yeah. It looked like one of the bees was crawling out of it. Yeah. And then, of course, it like cuts to his face, which is like something out of Candyman. Yeah. I hope he got $1,000 per bee sting. Bead sting? Bees. Bees. <laughs> Job's not on board. But yeah, yeah that's, the, that's a fun one. That's a fun one. Yeah, the, there's just like the, the, the makeup effect of that was just gruesome, I thought. Yeah, uh, okay. I'll like give just this, totally nasty. I'll get this movie props for gore. There was a scene, so spoiler alert, the like owner of the camp dies at one point by oh. getting an arrow through the, the throat. It can't be you. It can't be. It can't be. <laughs> I rewound it because it looks good. They the must effect. have had something like pop out of his neck, pop out of the back of his neck that just timed right because it looked great. Yeah, because when I look back, you don't see a cut of no. the arrow going through unless they like really lined it up, which I don't think you could do back then. I don't know. It looked it was it was good arrow through the throat effect. Yeah, I'll I'll actually take that one over the Kevin Bacon arrow through the throat in oh. the first. Friday the 13th. 100%, yeah. Maybe I'm misremembering, but a lot of 80s slashers, because they were always battling with the censors, you know, they they kind of invested all this stuff in the kills and the gore. I don't remember movies swearing as much as these ones. The kids in this, and with, with roughly age-appropriate actors, swear a lot. Yeah, they're potty mouths. Which I think kind of rings true to how kids actually talk to one another, especially in a situation like this where there's like little to no like parental oversight. Yeah, they're away from their parents. They're kind of spreading their wings, so to speak, trying out new things. Yeah, yeah. especially like because like Ricky, of course, swears constantly, but then like Judy swears a whole bunch too. Yeah. Um, Fuck you. They flip each other off. Yeah. Yeah. And just, like, the, the amount of attention on bodies in this movie strikes me as, like, very, like, pubescent. Because, like, they get to camp and Ricky and Angela are talking. And then Paul's like, hey, have you seen Judy? And then he makes, you know, the gesture of, like, huge boobs. Milk bags. Yeah. The, yeah. Her Zambonis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then even the way that Judy is, like, egging Angela on... Why doesn't she shower with us? Oh, because she probably doesn't have any hair down there. Yeah, real carpenter's dream. Flat as a board and needs a screw. Yeah. That strikes Uh, me as pretty real. Yeah. Like the the one who's like blossomed into young womanhood, making fun of the one that is like not quite there yet. Yeah. Seems pretty real. She's got that side ponytail that like 
goes down to her waist. <laughs> I liked Judy. <laughs> of course you would. So did she die by curling iron? In the vagina. And that was enough to kill her. I think so. I definitely have that note. I was like, that killed her. Like, I understand that it would be painful. <laughs> but I feel like you could put a, a, a curling iron in my butt and I wouldn't die. Yeah. Put a Band-Aid on that. <laughs> then I'm out with the boys the next day. You have some rough poops the next two days, but you'll be fine. I mean, I don't know. I don't have a vagina. But Maybe I... she just had enough, like, corn nuts and fruit roll-ups that it, like... Just stamped it out, and she just passed out because of the pain. Because uh-huh, uh-huh. everyone knows corn nuts and fruit roll-ups pass through the vagina. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you couldn't poop. They were trying to go the wrong direction. <laughs> hey, hey, corn nuts, how do we get out of this body? I don't know, fruit roll-ups. I'm used to going out of the vagina. I don't see a vagina. Me neither. Well, I guess we'll hang out. Yeah, they had to backtrack. They lost all that altitude. First thing on a hike, never lose altitude. So uh, I mentioned earlier how the aunt mother like did the physicals for the two kids. Right. So they wouldn't have to have physicals at the camp. And, you know, that's something that you wouldn't notice necessarily on first watch. But, you know, when you know the twist, it's like, oh, she doesn't want them inspecting Angela's body. Right. So that that kind of holds up. But there's also a scene, you know, near the middle-ish where Judy comes up to Paul. Okay. Paul being the guy that, that Angela is sort of interested in. And Judy says, like, oh, you and Angela are, are becoming a quick item. And he's like, what of it? And she goes, I just didn't think she was a type. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I didn't pick it up. Like, I don't think the first two times that I watched this, this I think is only my third time. But I think it's like Judy thought that Paul was gay. Oh. Because, like, she does, like, kind of like a bitchy little smile afterwards when she says that as Paul walks off. And I think it's, it's Judy saying, like, oh, I thought you were gay. Is that like she's negging him because later they make out? Is that her being like, you're kind of stupid? But I like you. I don't necessarily think it was to get his attention. I think it was just sort of to get under his skin. Mm. And I was like, oh, but that would make sense if he is gay and he's actually attracted to a man, even though they're appearing female, Mm. like that pulls a lot together. Mm Mm-hmm. So I just I thought that was like a little allusion to the twist as well. Yeah. That yeah, Judy's like I, I didn't think she was your type, if you know what I mean. Hmm. I like that. Yeah. I, the first time I watched this, I was like, this movie's super gay. Watching it now, I'm like, well, it's more trans than anything. Yeah. I mean, it 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 has that thing. So queer, I guess, is what we yeah. call it. Well, I mean, not to go too far into the ending, but it's like. there definitely is the theme that, or at least I take away from this movie that Angela would not kill if she was allowed to present as the gender that she actually identifies with. Yeah. What was that about? I mean, I understand it was the aunt aunt just wanted there to be a daughter. Which I guess was a thing. It doesn't happen a lot, but like Sam Peckinpah said that he was raised as a girl up until like he was seven or something. Wow. In the early part of the 20th century, I guess it was a pretty common occurrence that especially like 
single mothers, if they were like widowed or something like that, uh, before childbirth would raise like whatever gender they wanted as daughters Hmm. because, you know, they wanted a daughter, not a, a man around the house. And yeah, like, like, that happened like quite a bit in like the early 20th century. I mean, I've heard of like intersexed children being like assigned a gender that they're not. Yeah, but no, like in the case of like the director Sam Peckinpah, it was just like his mother just didn't want a son. Wow. And yeah, I guess that happened pretty frequently. They just thought that if they raised them like a daughter, that they would grow up just fine. And that, you know, that nurture superseded nature. Not great. Yeah. No, I think it led to some problems. Yeah. And in the case of this movie, a murderer. A murdering problem. I mean, we mentioned earlier that like there's a point when uh, there's like a tipping point where it stops being about revenging Ricky and then just starts being kill, 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 kill. Well, yeah, because she kills the younglings. Well, that was my question. They died? They look like they exploded. (laughs) No, she took an axe to their sleeping bags and like just chopped them up in their Uh, sleeping bags. They look like birds who'd eaten rice. That would be the sleeping bags portion. Okay. Yeah, I was I was confused about that. And also, what'd they do? Why no, do she, they, why'd they have to die? Yeah, there is a tipping point after she kills Meg. Like, I don't know if they call her this, but she's the RA. Like, she's, she's giving hard RA vibes. <laughs> she's introduced. She goes, By the way, for those of you who don't know, the name is Meg. M-E-G. I know how to spell Meg. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, once Meg dies, it's just like... Well, because she gets thrown in the water... And that's the tipping point is like, all right, all you bitches got to go. You got my hair wet. Yep. I'm mad now. (laughs) I'm untucked. (laughs) Hold my gold. (laughs) And yeah, because she kills Meg and then Judy's not too far behind. She kills the younglings. Then she kills the camp manager. And then she goes after poor, sweet, innocent Paul. What did Paul do? Uh, well, one, he was I guess immediately he entitled to sex. It's like they go to like the beach or whatever after the social and they're like making out and he like tries to unbutton her shirt and she's like, no, not, not now. And he's like, what? I'm not doing much. I'm like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> cool it. Yeah. Paul wasn't, you know, Sir Lancelot or anything. No, not like he was the only one that was like nice to Angela, which is why she was the only one that he, you know, talked to. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I just, they're making out and she just seems immediately entitled to sex. I will say, I do kind of understand people's frustration with Angela not talking to them. Yeah. They're asking her direct questions and then she just stares. I would be frustrated too. Yeah. Like no. not to the point of just like standing there and heckling her. Yeah. Or throwing but, her in, in the lake. Yeah. But like after several days of like trying to communicate with someone and they don't respond and just stare at you, I'd be like, oh my God, what the fuck is your problem? Yeah. God damn it. Answer me, Angela. Answer me. God damn it. Answer me. What the hell's going on? I mean, now I would be a little more generous and probably be like, oh, they have some sort of like social thing. Maybe they experienced trauma, which they never bring up as a problem that she might have. But like, I thought at least at some point Ricky would be like, hey, she's been through something. And like, no, not once. He's just like, leave her alone. Yeah. I mean, we don't have a reason why we should leave her alone. Paul says at one point, he's like, Ricky told me what happened to your folks. It's messed up or he's something to that effect. Yeah. But yeah, nobody else at the camp seems to know. I mean, I understand it was a different time, but it's like, you can can say that Ricky, you can (laughs) say like, she's always been like this. 
just like give her time or something. Like sure. he, he never does that. He's always on the offensive and just being like, leave her alone. Yeah. It's like, well, that doesn't help either. Yeah. Like if you're already frustrated with her and then like the person, the only person she talks to is like, yeah, leave her alone. It's like, well, now I want to know more. One of the staples of, of an 80s horror movie is, you know, the very beginning someone dies and then that person ends up being the killer, you know, at the end of the movie. This is your classic prom night, your uh, I know what you did last summers, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. So when I first saw this all those years ago, I was like, oh, the brother is going to be the killer. Like the, the boy who died at the beginning, he's coming back and he's killing everyone. That's going to be the twist. And then like somewhere... Somewhere near the end, I was like, you know what? It is going to be the brother, but Angela is the brother. I was like, oh, I called the twist. But it doesn't really even matter if you call the twist because the twist is a good twist. It's solid. But it's the reveal of the twist that makes the whole thing so memorable. God, she's a boy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, like, again, this is why I don't think this movie is thinking about camp. I think he was just trying to make something scary. The end of this is scary. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's really terrifying. The face. The face. The sound that it's that they're making. It's, it's like this, this weird growl or something. <laughs> yeah. And her... <sighs> Oh, and because they couldn't show a child's parts, yeah. which, thank you. Right. They Rightfully had to get so. some, like, college student with a, a with paper mache degree. Ma- <laughs> with an Angela mask on. And so, like, she looks beastly. Yeah. Like, the body doesn't fit the head, especially the, you know, body we've seen throughout the movie. Yeah. So, suddenly, she just looks like this weird monster. But it's this weird, like, pullback of naked Angela hanging dong but like with a head in her hand yeah. of paul like she had killed paul chopped off his head knife in the other hand just and ah, and that's it and then it's and then, roll credits then, yeah, the movie ends on that and it's like even though i called the twist like i in no way called the reveal of how this was going to go out and it's the delivery of the twist that makes it so mind-blowing i mean i struggle to think of a movie that has such a visceral reveal and then just like roll credits yeah because it's like you have no time to process what we've just this drama bomb that we've been dropped it's like they lob it at you and then it's roll credits and it's just like and they roll the credits over a freeze frame of Of her face. face yeah which by the way this is the second movie in a row that you've chosen that ends with the freeze frame of somebody's face and oh, credits private parts did the same thing. Yeah. yeah. I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. Also it has like psychosexual trans stuff too. It does. Yeah. yeah you're on a tear. Yeah. I got a type right now, <laughs> but no. Yeah. I mean, <sighs> the first time I saw this movie, the reason I watched it was because my friend had seen it at, uh, what was the whole, 
All Night Fest. Is that what All Freaking Night? Yeah, All Freaking Night. Oh, in Olympia? Yeah, many, many, many years ago. Yeah. And some friends had seen it and they came back and they were like That's an ideal setting to see this movie. Yeah, and apparently this they showed Sleepaway Camp at like three or four in the morning. Oh, they showed it as like the third feature. Yeah, or something. it was one of the last it was one of the later ones. And so like they were bored by the other ones, but then this one came on and like they were just like, Holy shit. So I knew the reveal and I, I knew that like he, he told me how it ended. He's like you, you, they get the reveal and then they roll credits over the freeze frame of the face. And I'm like, okay, gotcha. I'll watch it because you've recommended it and you have good taste. Even knowing what I was going to see, I was still, after watching that movie, like, I have to watch something else. Yeah. I can't just go to bed with this being the last thing I see. Yeah. It's very disturbing. It really is. Have you seen any of the sequels? I saw Sleepaway Camp 2. Okay. It yeah. sucks. Yeah. I mean, it's really all downhill after this one. Like, two's fine, but it's like, it's Angela as like pseudo narrator. Like, she's talking to herself and the audience, like, doing that. And we sort of see trick. her do all the kills. Yeah, there's no mystery. And they're to not it. good. Yeah. So, as a connoisseur of slashers, yeah. you, you hold this one in high esteem. Oh, definitely. I should clarify. I don't necessarily think that there are a lot of good slasher movies. It's just a genre I can watch. It's just, it's my preferred junk food. So I can watch a bad one start to finish and be entertained and fully acknowledge that it's not very good. But this one to me, it's just got that little extra sprinkling that like makes each scene enjoyable. Like I can sit down and watch this and enjoy it from scene to scene where there's a lot of other slashers where it's like there's memorable moments or there's memorable scenes or there's, you know, something unique about it that I enjoy. But this one has a lot of things like the twist, of course, is a big selling point. There's a lot of campy elements. There's a lot of eye candy uh, for, for the, uh, you know, the gay men's in the audience. And then just like the language feels different and that it's, you know, age appropriate casting feels different. There's just a lot of things about this that even though it's in the same mold, it has a different feel and a different vibe to it that I really appreciate. So it's like, you know, if you're a fan of the 80s slasher genre, I think this should be like the top of your watch list if you haven't seen it yet. next week yeah what do you got what do we got coming up next week all right matt we haven't done this in a while but it's time for a game show it's been a whole eight episodes yeah last (laughs) let's not talk about the wheel within a week (laughs) okay uh no we're doing we're doing either or which is a game that you invented not on purpose, I think, but you did. Oh, yeah. I, like, held stuff behind my back or something, right? Yeah, and but I physicalized it, so now there's actually, you can choose an actual envelope here. How um, did I do it? What? How did I do it if, if there wasn't something physical? You just had your hands behind your back, and I picked one, and you opened it, and there was nothing but there. But there was nothing in my hand, so yeah. I could have said anything? You were like, it's a thread, but you can't see it, so it's phantom. Wow, I'm really clever. Yeah, it was, it was great. I edited it so you sounded dumb, because I want, you know. That's, that's what I do. Um, but this time, got two movies. Couldn't decide between them. You like them both. I like them both. They're both real fun. We're still sticking with summer fun times, okay? I want you to know it's a win-win. 
either one. It's gonna be good. Shuffle them a little bit. Why? Because. Alright, take your pick. That's when you want me to take. Oh. What is it? What is it? Death becomes her. Hey! That's a fun movie, right? I own that one, so that you would be like easy that to movie. watch. Yeah. Yeah. Robbie Z. Rob Z. It'll be our third Not Robert. Rob Zombie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it'll be our third Zemeckis movie. Yeah. We've got uh, Roger Rabbit, Back who to the framed. Future. Yeah. Roger Rabbit, comma, Who Framed. Uh, future, comma, Back to <laughs> the. Yeah. And now, uh, death becomes, becomes her, comma. Her, death. death becomes. Yeah. You knew we were going to do death becomes her at some point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you as well, audience. <laughs> Duh. Plug your junk, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Go to patreon.com slash X-rated movies. If you are enjoying this content and you want to get in on some of our bonus fun stuff. We which... do stuff that we don't normally do on the podcast. Uh, recently we did a Ready Amos Fire mm-hmm. where we talked about uh, some Tori Amos albums and uh, which one was the best. I'm uh, happy with it. We'll probably have other stuff in that ilk coming down the pipeline. I mean, anything you can contribute, we'd appreciate it. I also would like to say, just in a similar vein, if you can't afford to support us financially, a great way to support the podcast is by leaving star reviews on Apple Podcasts or written reviews, especially written reviews. We recently got a new one back in June that was very nice. They said something about how like listening to the podcast feels like they're eavesdropping on the coolest conversation in the party. And really touched me so thank you whoever you were yeah that was nice things like that are really great you can reach us directly by either going to facebook and finding us at rated x movies going to twitter finding us at x rated movies or emailing us x.rated.movies at gmail.com and you can go to our website and find all the content that we've created sans the bonus i mean it's the best website uh cool until next week when we do death becomes her fuck a man asshole (laughs) 